Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I am Alex. I'm James. And Alex, what's our episode about? Our episode is about Kentucky stuff. Yes. (laughs) From the place where we're all from. Yes, this was- Crazy Kentucky. Another Patreon special request Mm. from our dear listener, Kate. Oh. Yes. She's been a guest on the show before, and she wanted us to talk about things from our crazy home state, Kentucky. So we have collected a whole bunch of very interesting historical items, and we're going to tell you about them today. Yeah, you're about to get learned. Yes, yes. Um, James, how you been? Feeling good. Um, how about you guys? We're, we've been popping bottles over here. Just getting crazy with it. <laughs> That's one way to describe it. I'm just tired. You know, I've just, I've just been working a lot. Uh, but I had a lot of fun doing research for this episode, so. Good deal. Uh, yeah, and I just I just watched the new Ultraman movie. Well, yeah. new as it came out way deep in the last year, or <laughs> early last year, and we just now got it for one showing. <laughs> Literally. Okay, James. One day at 7 o'clock. If you want to watch it subbed, one day at 7 o'clock if you want to watch it dubbed. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So Alex calls me, goes to go to the movie, and I'm like, okay, I'm taking care of the kids. It's me by myself. It's late. And then I get a phone call at 7.10 from Alex, and he's like, I went to the wrong movie theater. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, snap. So yeah. what did you see? Uh, the new Ultraman movie. Okay, but you I'm guessing you saw it subbed. Yes, I saw it subbed. Uh, Tomorrow is the dubbed airing. Uh, no interest. Alex no interest. Alex is very opposed to dubs. Well, for live action. He hates it. Yeah. Bis. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I yeah, I'm the other it. way around. There's a few things like just nostalgia wise that's gotta be dubbed, but for the most part, no. Oh. You nerds. Yeah, we've had this conversation. Even Alex yeah. actually had quite the heated debate on subs versus dubs. Yes. Yeah. James is wrong. <laughs> I don't think there's enough time in the world for us to dive into that here on this show. You know what I mean? Might be. No. no. <laughs> I have an icebreaker for you guys. Uh-huh. Okay, so we're all from Kentucky, right? The beautiful bluegrass state. If you've never been there, dear listener, it is a gem of a state. It's nice to drive through. No, it's not. It's a wonderful place to live, raise a family, and I adore it and I miss it. Well, I just meant as like as a vacationer. You don't really go to Kentucky. Hey, no, 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 no. You just listen. You listen. It is it it is a beautiful state. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. My icebreaker is. Tell everybody where you're from, and also, what's your favorite thing about living in Kentucky? Mm. I'll go first. I don't live in Kentucky, so. Alex, (laughs) Alex, my favorite thing about Kentucky, and I'm from Lexington, my favorite thing about living in Kentucky, which is how pretty it was, is so, so pretty, and it's just, you're surrounded by beautiful horse farms and... I miss that. I love that Lexington is gray for about four to five months a year. Uh, That's my favorite part. (laughs) 
this, this is, this is, he argues with me about this all the time, James. And yes, this I, is, it, this is literally Alex's seasonal afflicted depression segment of the podcast. <laughs> yes. And when he's depressed, he wants to bring all of us down with him. That's right. Mm, so that's right. he, he will complain about the gray every single day. That's right. Mm. That's my motto. Alex, what's your favorite thing about Kentucky? I like the people that are family and friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> All right. That where are you from? Punk. Oh, I'm from I'm from Bowling Green. Everybody I mean, everybody's fine. It's uh Everybody's fine. You guys are raving fine. review for bowling. Green. I mean no, I like, I like it. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be that when you get into town. That's gonna be on the sign now. <laughs> <laughs> bowling Green. Everybody's, everybody's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's good. It's a small little town feel. Everything's close together. It's everybody's pretty nice, I guess. If we came back know. to Kentucky, I'd want to go to Lexington. I wouldn't describe like Kentucky. Everybody's nice, but you know, people talk about like Southern hospitality. I I've yet to see that really much of anywhere. I think. <laughs> If people are nice, like much nicer than I guess it, when you compare Southern hospitality to oh Northern hospitality, you're just gonna nuke everybody. Yeah, there's yeah. none. The yeah. only Caitlin. thing worse than Kentucky is everything outside Kentucky. Is the North, <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin? I am so sorry that this is how your episode's beginning. <laughs> yeah, I love the horses. Uh, okay, there we go. Listen, we're we're moving on. We're moving on from Alex. I shouldn't have asked him this question. He looks so upset and frustrated with me right now. I'll punch him in his jaw. James, James, where are you from yeah. and what's your favorite thing about Kentucky? Uh, I'm from Corbin originally and uh, I live in Lexington. And uh, my favorite thing is uh, kind of going to sound like the hippie fraggle from Fraggle Rock, but uh, uh, the trees. Like I like temperate forests and we got lots of it. Yes. See, yeah. James, you and I, I think we see eye to eye because it is a very, very pretty It state. is pretty. I don't yeah. disagree. No. I'm with you all. Except it's it is gray pretty. all the time. Yeah, there's four months of the year. Like Northern Kentucky gets pretty gray for a long time. <sighs> all right. It doesn't do it in Bowling Green, though. So there's a plus for Bowling Green. <laughs> it never got that way. And then when I went to Lexington for college, I was like, does it ever stop? Uh. (laughs) See, having grown up, having grown up there, I didn't notice it until you started to complain Uh. about it. And then I'm like, it is kind of gray. Not not to pile on a complaint, more like just kind of like a weird little, there's like little culture shock things from region to region. Kentucky's a very diverse state. It is very The rest is very different. The North is very, yeah, exactly. And uh, two little things um, come to mind, just culture shock, is in the winter in the southeast part of the state, the sun doesn't hit some of those hills like during winter. So snow really accumulates, but it never feels very cold, even when there's snow. Whereas in Lexington, it's the opposite. And it's because the mountains are a buffer from the wind. And then you come up to the central part of the state where it's like big valleys with, you know, a a vast horizon. And when the weather drops that wind, like you can't wear fleece 
without a jacket in Lexington because that wind will cut through you like you're wearing a tank top. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. And, uh, it's yeah. true. And then the other thing is, you know, the central part of the state's a little more Midwestern. So, like one of my friends, for example, who's a listener, uh, she was complaining about squirrels in her attic, and she's from Lexington. And I was like, why don't you just catch them? They're delicious. And her reaction was like, I suggested she eat like the family dog. So, yeah, there's definitely a culture difference. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I've never had squirrel before. I can't say that it's delicious. No. But They're very good. They're basically just chicken thighs with tails. Okay, chicken thighs with how much? How much meat do you get on a squirrel though? They're so as, as tiny. As, exactly, about as much as a chicken thigh. They're they're not that meaty. Oh, well, I almost hit one with my car the other day. It ran right in front of me, and its little tail went straight up, and it ran the other way. Yeah. And I was like, "Praise the Lord, you just saved yeah. your life." Smart yep. choice, squirrel. Yeah, smart choice for me. Lean choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. I think it's time for us to talk about Kentucky some more. Okay, who wants to talk about your interesting Kentucky story first? I'm going to let James go first. You know, this this really feels kind of like a first, um, like a headliner or whatever. So just because it's so out there. So I'm going to be talking about... What's it's a very popular story at the moment, the cocaine bear. No. Um, I can't yeah, wait for that movie. Yeah. The movie looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't talk about the cocaine bear without first talking about Andrew C. Thornton the second. Yes. Because and and this all occurred, by the way, in 1985. And had this been made, and it should have been made like a year later instead of like forever later, because Tom Selleck should have played Andrew C. Thornton II, like, so bad. Like, he's perfect for it. But anyway, Andrew C. Thornton was born in 1944. <laughs> what? No, CC was whispering. She didn't know they were making a movie. She thought I was, like, lying. I was so confused. Yeah, there's a trailer. It looks great. Very, well, very loose, loose adaptation. Yeah, it's I a mean, comedy. It, like, it looks it would be. Though. It would be like saying Cujo is based on the time somebody's dog had rabies, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, Andrew C. Thornton, he was born the day before Halloween, 1944, in Bourbon County, which is in Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, he grew up on a, a stud farm, actually, close to, uh, well, Stud farm in Bourbon County. He's rich. And oh, right. Yeah. There, there has to be something. Well, well, if he wasn't by then, anyway, well, more on that. So he grew up though in Lexington and he went to Sayre and he was part of the Iroquois Polo Club, which is as you're implying, screaming, you know, coming from a good background. Which background rather. Yeah. Um, so he went to a military school in Sewanee and he joined the ROTC. And he went to the UK for a little bit, but then he was like, no, ROTC was fun. I kind of want to be in the army. So he joined the army, went to Fort Bragg, became a paratrooper for the 82nd Airborne. And uh, when in 65, the U.S. invaded the Dominican Republic, and nobody ever talks about it really, but he got a Purple Heart for it. So he's decorated. He's ex-ROTC. This is just like his whole life up to this point just screams, Mr. Goody two shoes, you know? <laughs> so 
after he's done with the military, which by the way, he dropped out of that too. <laughs> so there, you're, you're kind of seeing a little, he seems to have a very terminal level of ADHD or something. Like he gets bored pretty quick and, and switches things pretty quick. So more on that later. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to be a cop. And so in 68, he joins the Lexington Police Department. And uh, while he's there, he's actually taking night classes at EKU for law enforcement. And he ends up working in the narcotics division with the Louisville office of the DEA. Now, here's the funny thing. Two important things to note about this guy. One, he gets bored easily. Yes. Two, he seems easily dissatisfied with his job. That's actually 1.5 or whatever. And two, um, when you work for the DEA and you deal with narcotics investigations, you actually learn a lot about drugs and you learn a lot about how to smuggle drugs. And you, you meet people who would make really good connections in drug smuggling. And so he thought, you know what? This is fun. I'm going to, I'm going to do this as a side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) So, so he's working for the DEA and he's, he's drug smuggling. So at a certain point, he gets bored with the whole cop side of things and decides to become a lawyer. Let me say that again. His side hustle was drug smuggling. He decides to quit law enforcement while maintaining the drug smuggling side hustle. And now he's practicing law. So what ends up happening is a few years into that, he gets accused. There's like 25 dudes in Fresno who stole a bunch of weapons from China Lake Naval Weapons Center. And he was, they were basically trying to smuggle guns and, and weed into the U.S. And uh, he got in trouble for that, as you might imagine. <laughs> so he said he wasn't guilty, and he left the state, which you're also not allowed to do and haven't been for like 200 years. So when he's in North Carolina, they arrested him, and he was wearing a bulletproof vest, and he was carrying a gun, and he was like, no, man, I, 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 I totally did it. No contest. I totally did it. And so... Because he confessed, um, he got a misdemeanor, didn't get a felony. So when he gets out, which was next to nothing, it was like six months, and he had to pay like 500 bucks, and he wasn't allowed to practice law anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's just it's so absurd. He decides, you know, I'm going to get full time back into the drug smuggling. So the big pivotal moment oddly enough, involves a plane in, in September 11th. Um, and I'm not saying that jokingly. It's just kind of a weird coincidence. He decided in 85, September 11th, that he was going to smuggle a bunch of cocaine. Uh, how much cocaine? A lot. $15 million <laughs> worth of cocaine. 75 pounds of cocaine. That is a lot of cocaine. And so they throw it in his Cessna, and he's got a partner, and they're flying. And... Uh, I think they actually intended ultimately to land in uh, Kentucky, but I don't actually have any full evidence of that. But more importantly, the plane didn't get to where it was going in the first place because while they were flying over Blairsville, Georgia, they started to bail. Now, why they bailed, it's assumed that maybe they had a good reason. Maybe maybe they were being investigated. Yeah. Um, What's just as plausible, as insane as this sounds, is it's plausible. This is my theory, and I'm sure some other people probably have come up with this before, but 
I think that maybe the plane crashing elsewhere, because it crashed all the way in North Carolina, maybe it would have drawn attention from the fact that people dropped into Georgia and maybe that was the intended destination. But anyway, regardless of what happened, not only did they not uh, land the plane, they didn't land so safe at all. Um, Thornton actually got caught in his parachute and he just fell basically the whole time. Well, he had so Um, much weight attached to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more on that. (laughs) Um, So when they found him, he had a bulletproof vest on, Gucci loafers, not vision goggles, a army bag containing 75 pounds of cocaine valued at $15 million, as I mentioned, 4500 in cash, and six gold Krugerrands, which are South African currency. Um, so each one's like a solid ounce, I think, in that ballpark. Uh, some knives and some guns. Now, that's kind of like pretty interesting in and of itself. That could be a movie. This is a pretty interesting guy. Kind of reminds me of Cocaine Cowboys. But what's more important is what happens after all this, which is a black bear who became famous, as I just mentioned. Um, and some people jokingly call him Pablo Escobar, which I think is <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cocaine Bear sounds like a horror movie, and Pablo Escobar sounds like a hilarious little, like I can imagine Jack Black playing him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, uh, it ate a lot of cocaine. It it ate so much cocaine that uh, it had absorbed about three or four grams into its its actual bloodstream. And that's Oof. that's a lot. Yeah. I mean that's that's a lot. I mean it had eaten a lot more, but it had absorbed that much into its its bloodstream. So somebody at some point said that while it had this cocaine in its system, it must have been for a very short time the most dangerous organism on the planet. <laughs> and I'm inclined to believe it. Black bears, just for the record, we've, we've talked about this before when we talked about polar polar bears, is they're, they're the kind of the, the most docile of the, of the bears, at least in this hemisphere. They're the ones that you can usually scare off just by trying to make yourself big. But they're still a massive animal. And they have claws the size of knives. And this one was massive, and it had claws the size of knives, and it had teeth the size of knives, and it was on cocaine. So it's just a very unique thing. Unlike any of the the stuff we'll see in the movie, which I'm sure is very entertaining, uh, it's it's not like, you know murdering people and, and gunning people down in helicopters or whatever it ends up being. Um, and Oh, by the way, just a little fun fact. Um, and it, it's just funny to me that it landed in Clay County, um, North Carolina, because Clay County in Kentucky, you know, is also a place and it's got a bit of a history with, with smuggling too. <laughs> that was, yeah, I grew up close by, but, uh, but yeah, the, the bear did not live long. The bear overdosed on the cocaine. Uh, I mean, just it, it would have been biologically impossible for it to have survived based on the amount that it consumed. What's what's most intriguing to me is why it kept consuming it. And the only thing I can think of is it probably smelled it and got such a massive rush from it that it just immediately wanted more. So in other words, it's basically the story of an animal that that's pretty smart. Uh, bears are supposedly about as smart as a six-year-old, 
um, just discovering something that just automatically made it feel a certain way. And it was like, I want more of that. And then it overdosed. Poor bear. Ooh. Yeah. It's very sad. He was, he was, he was edgier than the average bear. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a really good book about that whole story. Minus the cocaine mm. bear. Like I can't even remember if it's mentioned, but um, the bluegrass conspiracy by Sally Denton. That's where I oh, heard yeah. the whole story. It's really good. It kind of takes a different, <laughs> a different lean on it. It's not quite as playful as, as James kind of put yeah. out there. But when yeah. Drew Thornton, yeah, so. when he landed, he landed in somebody's driveway. Isn't that crazy? Oof, yeah. Can you imagine yeah, going crazy. outside and be like, oh, hmm. But I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy because it's a bear, you know? I mean, every other bear in the world is out there just trying to survive. And then there's this cocaine bear in 1985. Yeah. yeah. I do think that that's very interesting. Ha ha. Uh-huh. I was just wondering how long it would take until one of us made a bear pun. That was a terrible one. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I wonder if the it was unbearable for that poor uh-huh. creature at the end. But uh-huh. James, that was, it's your that turn. Was cl- that was clobber. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. <laughs> it's yours, James. Come on, uh, come on, uh, quit. Put him on the okay, spot. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, listen, bears. we're done. We're, <laughs> we're done. Okay. I can't do it on command. All right, listen, is it my turn or is it Alex's turn? Uh, I think we'll end on a, on a, well, Alex. Oh, so you want to end on Alex, so I go next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, listen, okay. This is you told me. This is a, yeah. This is another thing that frustrates me, listeners. I tell these boys what I'm going to talk about every single week, and then we get to the microphone, and James is always like, "Cece, what are you talking about?" James, listen, I swear, listen. memory oh, is fleeting. Okay, listen, it's my turn, you guys, and I'm going to take us to the town that Alex described as everyone's fine. Okay. <laughs> We're going to Bowling Green, Kentucky, kind of the surrounding area. And I'm talking about an experiment that took place inside Mammoth Cave. See, I remember now. I remember the vibe. That was the deal. That was the important part. All right. Well, that is the important part. Nothing else matters other than the vibe. The, yeah. the vibe. All right, you guys. I got all my information today from SmithsonianMag.com. And there was an experiment. Dear listener, if you are unaware of Mammoth Cave, Mammoth Cave is in the Bowling Green area. It's the longest cave system in the world. So far, there have been 400 miles of it that have been explored, and they think that there could potentially be 200 more miles that haven't even been seen yet. They're finding new entrances to this cave all all the time, right? That's actually one of my favorite things about Kentucky is that almost all of Bowling Green is built on a cave system. Pretty cool. Which which is another reason I could never live there because sinkholes terrify me. So, mm. Do you want to know a fun fact about Mammoth Cave? Sure. Zero mammoths. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Although there is, there are, I guess it's two or three clay mammoths. Oh, remember really? at the dino place that we went with Gwen? Oh, at the dino place. Yeah. 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 They're fake mammoths, but they're there. Okay. Anyways. They were not having to do anything with Mammoth Cave, though, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> but Mammoth Cave, in this article that I read, it said it was discovered by the Europeans in like 1790. And I was just like, no, it wasn't. Heck no. No, it was used by Native Americans. They technically found it a long, long time ago. Um, and. 
researchers think they probably used it as a place of refuge during hunting if, it, if the weather got bad or, or things like that. Um, and they think that mm. the indigenous people of Kentucky probably explored 20 miles under the cave, so they didn't get Ooh. too far. But then you also have to stop and think it was probably pitch black when they were walking mm. around in there. And Have you guys ever been? Oh, yeah, I've been. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's, it's very interesting. It's yeah, it's a really it cool, cool cave system. I remember I went when I was eight, and I was just like astounded and amazed by it. it it's a really nifty mm. place to go. Um, but do you guys know what happens to the human brain when you go into a thing like a cave? Um, it continues uh, to function. It, it does continue to function. It's it's deprived of sensory information. Yes, it's deprived of sensory information. Whoa. So you start seeing things. Your brain is like, I can't make <laughs> sense of this. I need to do yeah. something. And I read a story underground. Um, I can't remember the author of the book. It's a really good book um, called Underground. And this guy is just obsessed with all things underground, obviously. And so he's like, I'm going to go inside a cave and see what happens and he went inside a cave that was just pitch black. And he said within a couple hours, he just started seeing these really bizarre things. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've seen things in float tanks. Strippy. You, you've been in a float tank before, James? Yeah, it's fun. We'll have to talk about it's that. It's his bathtub and he just puts a lid over the top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fun fact, actually, what CeCe was referencing is called the Gansfield effect. Yes. And kids, you can do this at home. All you need <laughs> is a ping pong ball and you cut it in half and you put it over each eye and then you have a white noise and a red light over it and your brain's like, we're not getting information. We're just going to have to make up reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So you do. laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's trippy. I can't wait to do that too while you're Alex. asleep, CC, and you won't even know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no, no. Okay, so I'm going to take us back to the 1840s, okay? There's this doctor. This doctor from Louisville. Mm, so he's a fake doctor. A doctor from Louisville. His name is John. And I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled C-R-O-G. H A N. Krogan? I mean, I'm going to say Krogan. That was not that hard of a one, though. Krogan? Just Krogan's just Kro- fine. Krogan's okay. fine. Whatever. Alex, just get off. Just get say off with your confidence and no one will doubt you. I don't want right. to besmirch this man's last name. They're probably, he's probably got. He's from Clan Erdnot. Ancestors. I promise Kentucky. you he's dead. <laughs> he is. I'll tell you why in a minute. But in the 1840s, oh. he was like, okay. I just bought this cave. He bought Mammoth Cave, you guys, which is now a UNESCO heritage site, in case you were unaware. But he bought the cave, and he's just like, hmm, I heard that cold air, cold, pure cave air might be able to cure disease, like tuberculosis. Of course. And so he's like, okay, we're going to do an experiment. I am going to... Build a sanatorium inside this cave so that people can go and they can heal themselves from the TB. Oh, wow. Yes. It was kind of exclusive. It's for the richy rich people. You know, they're all like, mm, I've got the money and the time because I'm sick. And they're like, I'm going to go in this cave and I'm going to cure myself. There were supposedly 16 to 20 people that went, but they think there are a lot more that were probably unaccounted for. But the sanatorium was very, it was bare minimum, you guys. It was two limestone huts built by slaves. Um, But it was about one mile into the cave, pitch black without light or fire, which they had, fortunately. They were able to to put little lanterns in there and be like, ooh, we can see things. Uh, No Gansfield effect for us. (laughs) But 
they lined the area with fresh foliage, which eventually died and made it that much more depressing. But they're like, oh, it's a nice little place for me to go and cure myself from this terrible consumption. Um, and then outside the huts, you guys, there was also behind them this giant rock that they would lay the dead bodies on so the families could come in. So can you imagine your loved one goes in this cave is like, I'm going to cure myself. They go and they die. And then you have to trek a mile into this cave to go pick them up and take them out of the cave. Golly. This is crazy. Mm. It's crazy. But one account, uh, a man named William Mitchell, and he was a Kentucky doctor himself, apparently. He was all on board for this treatment. He told the uh, Kentucky Courier Journal in 1842, quote, I expectorated a great quantity of pus. Had difficulty breathing and was very weak and feeble. After trying a number of popular remedies for my disease without receiving any benefit, I concluded to the effects of a residence in the Mammoth Cave. I went in the cave mm. on the 20th of May and took up my residence about three-fourths of a quarter from a uh, mile from the entrance. For some few days, I felt worse in every particular, though in the course of a week, I became much better. I could breathe with the greatest of ease. So he was all on board. Yeah, he's like, oh. Well, I wish that he had listed the the treatments because in those days it was probably like opium and salt water. Oh yeah, or something. no, it was like <laughs> they they took hemlock. I think they drank turpentine. They did oh. all of these things that were just like not good. So he tried all those hey, things. If you like, survive mm-hmm. it, you're gonna make it. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, basically they're trying to turn him into witchers. <laughs> so they're immune. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you guys. Shortly after he wrote this, he got real sick again. Mm. So I don't know if he'd still be praising it afterwards. I don't know what came of um, this poor man. A different patient um, had a different review. His name was Oliver Harry Perry Anderson. Four names. He he said it was terrible. He basically said, "This is this oh. is the worst thing ever. I hated it." He sadly perished from from this mammoth cave, more like mammoth grave. <laughs> well, that's a, see, oh, there you go, baby. That was much better than yeah, it was. Very interesting. <laughs> that's <was a> terrible. <laughs> no, but he uh, Anderson made it out of the cave. He took he took a trek out of the cave for a little while, and he said once he ed- exited the cave, quote. The thermometer stood at 40 degrees in the shade when I came out, and I cannot tell you how delightful the upper world was to all my senses. The air was sweet, pure, and agreeable, and the light, to my surprise, did not hurt my eyes. End quote. So he was like, that cave was freaking miserable. Sounds terrible. Yeah, it was awful. So it's like you've got these, you know, when people are sick with tuberculosis they get very thin and and frail and they're coughing up blood all over the place that's why they call it consumption it's like they're being yeah and they're just walking around in this dark cave miserable it sounds awful long term also since they did have the fire set up in the cave uh, you know inhaling smoke for an extended period of time is not good for the lungs especially when you've got something like Mm. tb so Mm. the smoke in the eyes and Everything made people really sick as well. They were also being cared for by people that did not have TB. So God, goodness knows how many people left this place catching TB afterwards, yeah. um, including poor Krogan. He died of tuberculosis Damn. in 1849. Krogan? More like Krogan. Alex. Alex, quit <laughs> it. Quit it. No. Well, 
This is the last little thing I'll leave you with that I think is very interesting about this whole experiment is that the entire time, you know, he, he purchased Mammoth Cave for $10,000 at the time, which is about $290,000 in modern day money. <clears throat> but the entire time that he was running his experiment, he also had the cave open for just tourists. So tourists are coming and going through this cave and then they've got this little encampment of tuberculosis people <clears throat> that are just coughing. So can you imagine how creepy it would be walking into this cave, seeing these Pale, they, they said <laughs> when the people left the cave, they were like ghostly pale. They said, and they, their uh, their pupils were so big when they left and saw the light of day that it looked like they didn't have irises. Like that's, that's what people were seeing going into this cave. They're like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to go explore. And then that's when you run into there are also mm. claims that Mammoth Cave is haunted. And it's like, I could see why. Mm-hmm. I could see why. <laughs> so, Ooh, you know what's a really creepy theory I just came what? up with? What if it's not ghosts? What if some of those people bred cave people? And so sometimes people just see cave people. Oh, James, I don't like that one bit. Cave How dare you put that thought in my brain? Dilated eye people from Kentucky. <sighs> All right, James, listen, I'm done. I want Alex. I want Alex. <laughs> These just sound like northerners who just got an eye exam. Oh, Alex. Got- <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, go. Nobody's safe today. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to give a shout out to werewolves.com. Werewolves of London. See, this is exactly what I wanted this to be. <laughs> Paramania.com. The, the werewolves.com kind of vibe. Paramania.com. And I did have to. I did have to stoop low, everybody. Wikipedia? I did have to dip into a little bit of Wikipedia because you know what? Everybody on the internet decided to make their own first paragraph of their article and then copy each other's stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't used uh, Wikipedia in a thousand years. Well, good for you. I'm so proud of you. I had to, I, I had to, because I was trying, there's a claim in here. There's a reason why I had to go to it. But anyway, so I'm covering the Pope Lick Monster, also known as. The Kentucky Goat Man. Is this going to scare me? Yeah. It depends on how sensitive you are to frights. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for anybody not from Kentucky listening, which is plenty of you, uh, a lot of places are named Lick in Kentucky. Like, it's insane how many places are named Lick yep. in Kentucky. <laughs> it's a good yeah. place to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and the reason he's named the Poke Lick Monster is because uh, Poke, Pope... Lick Creek. That's a kind of a tongue, tongue twister. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's named after Pope Lick Creek near Louisville, Kentucky. It makes sense that there's a monster yeah. in Louisville. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and most people call him the Goat Man. They think that it might be Pan has made its way. Pan, ah. Yeah, they think Pan uh, from Guillermo the Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but Pan has made it uh, all the way to Kentucky and decided just to hang out by some train tracks. Listen. Oh, my God. That's a movie we all need. We need a Greek pantheon, but they're all after There you go. That would be, oh, my God. Hephaestus, you get in here. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. But there's an interesting thing about the goat man, despite me making fun of him. Okay. He does allegedly, I do not have the numbers, but I have seen this claim a couple times. 
have the highest body count of any urban legend, aside what? from if you include the Mothman's bridge collapse. Oh if my you gosh. include that, then he's second place. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what happens is you you go out. You're 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 wanting to be like the Lost Boys. You wanna you wanna go out and hang out, do some crazy things, go hang out by the train tracks. No. And what's a cooler spot for teens to hang out than a bridge? That a, tr- a train would go over and hang out by the the trestle or whatever it's called. That's like the uh, James. Correct me. Yeah. I don't know much about train bridges. <laughs> <laughs> no, that you, you got it. You got it. Right. Hang you out got by it. the tre- the trestle. And like, <laughs> oh yeah, this looks abandoned because it's a train track in the middle of like a Kentucky wooded area. Well, this train these train tracks are not abandoned like a lot of people seem to think. They actually are used pretty heavily in a pretty congested area, but a lot of teens will go out there, and as a result, a lot of them die. Just stay off the train tracks, people. Mm -hmm. They get hit by tracks. tracks. They fall off the bridge. Um, All kinds of things happen. I mean, even in the last uh, 10 years, there's been several teen deaths. That's awful. um, Over there. And what a lot of people think is that the Pope Lick monster that it has these abilities that it has uh, hypnosis and that can also use voice mimicry to lure people over yeah. and then trick them into falling off the bridge, maybe not paying attention to getting hit by a train, just do various mm-hmm. ways that it can kill you or kidnap you. You know, you know, the kidnappings we have, there's no record of, of course, but supposedly it can do this. You know, it's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of mirrors. We, we covered Celtic mythology a while back, just an episode or two ago. Um, huge parallels between that and like fey folk, mimicking people, making off with people. Couple that with the demographics of the area. It seems plausible that this is a folk tale that evolved for modern times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's possible in like a lot of folk tales. It's one that was probably created if we had to guess if it is not real by people to keep kids away from the train tracks it would have worked on me but uh, yep it's kind of had the opposite effect and uh authorities were very upset in 1988 when a pope lick monster movie came out it was a little short film 16 minutes long but apparently after it came out a lot of increased activity started happening over there. And so now it's become like a legend journeying hotspot. Uh, you know, you want to go see some urban legends. Here's something to stop by Kentucky, stop by mammoth cave and stop by the goat lick. Don't you listen, go to mammoth cave. Don't go to the Pope lick goat man house. <laughs> trestle. If you're a thrill seeker, you know, Louisville's got some pretty terrifying stuff actually. So, if you are, you can do this Poplick stuff, and then you can also do the the asylum, right? Isn't that over in Louisville? Yeah, Santa the Santa Waverly. Yeah, Waverly, isn't that in Louisville? Yeah, also also for TV too. Look at that! I am planning people's vacation right now. Just, yeah, Alice welcome. is over here, like saying, "Oh no, it's a great state to drive through." Look at you! It is a great state to drive. It's beautiful. Yeah, board of tourism <laughs> here. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, exactly. I'm, I just generated <laughs> two times more 
tourism for Kentucky than it has done for itself in a long time. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> so, but the idea is that maybe this thing was created to keep the kids away, but I mean, they keep coming. Uh, even three years ago, it was where I found the most recent death. And then three years before that, and then a couple years before that, and like that's the 2010s. Like we've had three or four deaths already, and so it's interesting that this thing actually might have the highest body count of any urban legend that I know of. It's routinely stacking up. What does it supposedly look like? So it's a it's like pants. So like more of a half man, half goat. Okay. Uh, but not with like a goat body, but like it's a hairy man goat. Man goat. Yeah. It's okay. a hairy man goat. Here, here's a good, here's here's what some people see that it might look like. See, mm, I wouldn't, why would anybody want to go look for that thing in the. It's like the thing you would picture uh, in like, I don't know, like in some sort of fictional depiction of hell. It's kind of, you know, something mm-hmm. that you would see like running around there. Again, Celtic mythology kind of reminds me of uh, uh, I know a ton of people who have very firm beliefs that there is a lot of crazy, crazy stuff that happens spiritually within Kentucky, ghost-wise and Sasquatch-wise. I mean, there is a lot of unoccupied space in the South, especially. Yes. So it kind of makes sense that there's even more urban legends and stuff like that, because things are do get pretty spread out down here. Yeah. And less flat. I mean, I mean, this guy's been around since the 50s. But again, he got a big uptick in popularity because of this little 16-minute movie about the Pope Lake monster. <laughs> and it's interesting how, I mean, we already know that. We don't understand because most victims are teens. When you're told not to do something at that age, you kind of want to do it. So I wonder. I wonder if that's how fairy tales back in the day worked. They're like, hey, like actually, fairy tales were for children, not teens. You're so meant to terrify the children into not doing things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then you kind of want to see. No, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. No. Adolescence for many is basically trying to see how the dark side of fairy tales play out. I, I mean, they're 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 doing everything they hit. <laughs> yeah, but recently they've been doing everything they can to keep people away. They put fences up, security. So, like, even if you go into the area now, you could get like a trespassing charge. So, like, they're really like trying to keep people away. But I mean, no one's actually watching it, probably. Don't, Alex, no, I'm not encouraging wa- they're watching it. it. They're watching it, guys. They're Don't watching it. Yeah, but it. By the way, it's it's private property. It's sealed off. Do not do it. You will probably die. If Kronunos is actually there, you will become one of many That's sacrifices. Right. That's right. That's right. The, and the FBI, uh, they, they live in the trees there. And so as soon as you step a foot, bam. Bam. They don't even ask questions. They're the ones that get you. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> that guys, this is our Kentucky Pope episode. Lick. This has been a fun one. I can't yeah. wait for all of our listeners to tell us about their journey to Pope Lake. Well, that's the thing. You, oh God! You all, if you uh, <laughs> with their binoculars <laughs> as they looked at it, yeah, you know, we the the vase for the show is open again. We don't have hardly any uh, submissions right now because we cleared it out because there was a lot of stuff in there we'd already covered, mm-hmm. and so we cleared it out. But we are reopening the vase for submissions. If you guys want to know 
interesting mm-hmm. folk tales about whatever state you live in, reach out. Let us know. Yeah. And if you submitted something that we didn't get to, submit it again. That's yeah. okay. But we just, honestly, there were so many. We were like, we need a clean slate mm-hmm. because they're, we are pulling duplicates yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. anyways, you all, thank you for, for listening. James, is there anything you want to say? Yeah. Bear. <laughs> there you go. All right. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Craig Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange. strange.